y'all, and welcome to episode 70 of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. So, last night, or well, yesterday, actually, Stars on the app and Stars.com premiered its limited episode, what they're calling a thriller series called Gaslit. Now, there's tons of stars on this show, including Julia Roberts and Sean Penn, and its intention is to shed some light on some of the lesser-known facts of the Watergate scandal. Now, Julia Roberts is playing the part of Martha uh, Martha Mitchell. Sorry about that. She was the wife of the United States Attorney General under Richard Nixon. Um, well, not only was she the Attorney General's wife, but she became a very outspoken figure about the government during the Watergate scandal, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. opening that's gonna be our new girl Ariel she um she likes to open doors and see what we're doing but anyway so Martha Mitchell was born in 1918 and she was born in Pine Bluff Arkansas and she was the only child of George and Ari Beal and the family lived on a rural farm and her closest friends were the children of this african-american housekeeper that lived there on the farm and she started going to a private school when she started school, but during the Great Depression, she switched to a public school. And after college, she taught seventh grade for a year in an Alabama school, but like I said, she only taught a year. She quit because she hated it, she said. And from there, she moved back to Pine Bluff and became a secretary at the Pine Bluff Arsenal, and soon she and that job were transferred to Washington, D.C. Once she was in D.C., she met a U.S. Army officer, and his name was Clyde Jennings. And they were married, not a whole, they didn't date very long, but they were married in 1946. Well, the couple moved to Rye, New York, and soon they had a little boy. And after Jennings was honorably discharged from the military, he became a traveling salesman, which left Martha at home alone a lot. And that eventually led to the couple getting a divorce. Well, it wasn't long before Martha would fall in love again. And this time, she fell in love with John Mitchell. And she was impressed with John's suaveness and his intellect. Only four months after her divorce from Mr. Jennings, she and Mitchell would be married. And at that time, John was a lawyer in Manhattan, 
and he was earning a really good salary for those times. And the couple had a daughter together, and they called her Marty. On New Year's Eve of 1966, Mitchell and Nixon's law offices were, I guess you could say, merged. Two years later, when Nixon was elected President of the United States, he appointed Mitchell as his Attorney General. Well, of course, the family had to move to Washington, D.C. And they made their home in what was dubbed the Watergate Complex. Now, like I said at the beginning of this episode, now Martha, she was very outspoken. And her first claim to notoriety was when she remarked in an interview that the peace demonstrations that were held in Washington, D.C. in 1969 reminded her husband of a Russian revolution. And from there, she became even more outspoken. In the evenings, Martha liked to have a little drink, and many times she would call reporters after having that little evening drink and spill some tea from things that she had read in her husband's paperwork or, you know, some political gossip that she had heard through the grapevines in D.C. She got so popular that she was frequently showing up on talk shows and she even made an appearance on the comedy variety show called Laugh-In. Now, I don't know if some of y'all younger ones are, are familiar with Laugh-In, but it was a funny show. Uh, Billy Hahn was on it when she was young. Um, I don't know. It, they, they would have, like, um, singers and different things. It was just cool. Um, I do believe on Roku and probably other streaming services you can find episodes. But anyway, that's irrelevant. Now, you know, Nixon had been in office for his first term. And when he was coming up for re-election, he appointed Martha's husband, John, as the head of his re-election committee. Well, during the re-election campaign, Martha started mentioning to these connections that she had in the media that the Nixon camp was using dirty tricks to get re-elected. A week before the burglary that caused the Watergate scandal to bust wide open, the Mitchells had traveled to California for some fundraisers, and while they were there, John got a telephone call telling him about the burglary. Well, he had to do a little damage control, of course, so he held a press conference and he denied that the re-election committee had anything to do with that. Well, after that, John had to fly back to Washington, but he, you know, he told Martha, how about you stay in Cali for a little while and um, get some sun and whatnot. Uh, you know, you would think he was doing it just to keep her from being stressed out or anything, but uh, he knew that Martha was very outspoken. So he asked her, their security guard, um, to make sure that Martha didn't find out about the, the break in and to please not let Martha talk to the press. Well, despite that security guard's best efforts, though, the following Monday morning, Martha somehow got her hands on a copy of the, um, the LA Times. And she learned that John James McCord Jr., who just happened to be Martha's daughter's security guard, had been one of those arrested. Well, what she read in the paper totally contradicted the White House version of events that she had been told. Of course, her suspicions were raised. So she started trying to call her husband, but she couldn't get a hold of him. And the last time she tried to call him, she told one of his aides that 
her next phone call would be to the press and Ariel has decided to join us um but the following days for Martha were like a whirlwind Martha called her favorite reporter who was Helen Thomas of the United Press and told her that she was leaving John until he decided to resign from the Nixon campaign that phone call ended abruptly like all of a sudden it just disconnected well, Thomas called back but she was told that Martha was indisposed and couldn't come to the phone. Now, Thomas then called John, who told her that his wife had a tendency to get upset over politics, but they love each other. And that's all that matters. You know, they weren't splitting up, according to John. Well, Thomas later reported that it was very obvious someone had taken the phone away from Martha, and she could be heard saying, you just get away. Well, the press went wild over that. And then just a couple of days later, after that incident, another reporter, her name was Marcia Kramer, she caught up with Martha at the Westminster Country Club in New York State. Well, Kramer was really surprised by what she saw because Martha's arms were covered black and blue with bruises. The account of what Martha told Kramer that had happened to her took her even more surprised than her appearance did. Martha told Kramer that during the week after the Watergate burglary, she had been held captive in that California hotel room. It had been her security guard who had unplugged the phone while she was talking to Thomas. She tried escaping several times over the balcony, but she was stopped by five men and ended up needing stitches. Nixon's personal lawyer, Herb Kalmbach was called to the, that hotel and he made the decision that Martha needed a tranquilizer. Now when the story of what had happened to her hit the papers, Nixon's people tried to discredit Martha by saying that she was an alcoholic. Alright, now I know that I did mention that she did like her evening drink, but I wouldn't call her a raging alcoholic. And when Kramer interviewed her, she did have the bruises to kind of back up what she said had happened to her. But get this, y'all. Nixon's people went on to say that Martha was resting at Silver Hill Hospital, which was a psychiatric hospital in Connecticut. Well, soon afterwards, reports were emerging of John's involvement in Watergate, so Martha started calling reporters to say that her husband had just been made the scapegoat, and she even encouraged him to run against Nixon. Soon they, John resigned from politics altogether, saying that he wanted to spend more time with his family. But this did nothing to keep Martha quiet because in May of 1973, she provided testimony at the office of attorney Henry Rothblatt. And he was the attorney for the Democratic Party when they sued Nixon's campaign for $6.4 million. It was a civil lawsuit. Yeah. But later, that same year, John, he just moved out of the family home, taking their daughter, Marty, with him, and the couple separated. Well, in 1975, John went to trial for perjury and obstruction of justice and conspiracy for his part in Watergate. And he served 19 months in a federal prison for his crimes. And he and Martha never saw each other again. But get this, he never gave her a divorce either. 
Now, my personal opinion on that, and I could be wrong. I swear I could be wrong because it is known that I can be wrong. But I feel like he didn't want her having any alimony from him. So, anyway. Um, now, and maybe that was to be, you know, punishment because she had talked so much. But anyway, I'm going to get past that because that's merely of my opinion. But because, you know, Martha had had some involvement in Watergate, not, not like the other people had had involvement, but her name was in there. Everybody except for her son, Jay, alienated her. After McCord, which was his, her, their, their daughter's security guard that I mentioned earlier, after he had been indicted or convicted uh, for his role in Watergate, he backed up Martha's claims that she had basically been kidnapped. He went on to say that Nixon and others had been jealous of her popularity with the media and they schemed to make a mockery of her. In fact, in 1977, Nixon told David Frost in an interview that if there had been no Martha Frost or Martha Mitchell, there would never have been a Watergate. So basically what he was saying is if Martha hadn't told what she knew, they probably would have got away with it. In 1975, Martha got really sick, and she had no one but her son, Jay. She had lost all of her friends and most of her family. She was poor, and she was just barely existing on funds that she was getting from donations that um, people were making from, like, people that were her supporters. Like, there was a few out there. Um, but that's all the money she had was just that. But by the end of May 1976, she was in the advanced stages of multiple myeloma, and she slipped into a coma on that last day of May. And she passed away at the age of 57. Her funeral was held at the First Presbyterian Church in Pine Bluff, which was her hometown that we talked about. And shortly after the services began for her funeral, John, her estranged husband, their daughter Mary and Jay arrived. And there among the floral arrangements at the funeral was one that was sent by an anonymous person. Y'all, I'd love to have seen this. I might have to Google and see if I can find pictures, but this floral arrangement had um, the words, Martha was right, spelled out in white chrysanthemums. Now, y'all know, I know this episode don't fit in with what our normal true crime or other subjects are but it's a story that I feel needs to be told and I really only gave you just the gist of the story but I want to encourage you to do a little bit of research and maybe watch Gaslit if you can um I'm loving it so far but I'm 50 years old and Watergate was going on when I was just a baby so you know, I don't remember those times that much. And honestly, they didn't go into a whole lot of detail, at, you know, of Watergate and history or government classes that I've had. So it's been interesting, you know, learning what I have learned about this time. And I also found it interesting that she was so outspoken because even back in the 70s, women were not as outspoken as they are now but I really feel that um, I feel like Martha kind of paved the way for 
more women to be vocal about the things that go on around them. You know, I think she kind of gave everybody the courage to speak out. I mean, that's my opinion, but I mean, I feel like she really did make a difference in women's ability to, to voice their opinions and concerns and whatnot. Well, y'all, that's all for today's episode of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. Have a great week, and don't forget to come back on Wednesday for the Midweek Mini. Y'all have a good week.